Greetings, cinephiles. Are you looking for a movie analysis podcast that stands above the rest? Then look no further than Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters. We analyze good movies, we analyze bad movies, and yes, we also analyze the in-betweens of the world of cinema. So if you like what you hear, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And yes, my friends, we are 420 friendly. So when you listen to us, smoke smoke it it if you've got got it. it. And now... Here's a new episode of Collateral Gaming. The show starts right now. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Dan Rockwood. And this is Collateral Gaming with... Victims and Villains, where we talk nerd, we talk hope, and we speak nothing else. Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything else in between in the world of gaming. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. And welcome once again to another edition of Game Launch on Collateral Gaming. We have a uh, title that we have been... Uh, highly anticipating for quite a while now, and joining us for this episode is Mr. Dan Rockwood from Victims and Villains. How are you doing, Dan? I am great. If Legend of Zelda wasn't coming out this year, this would be my most anticipated game of 2023. Uh, I'm having a blast with it, and I'm so excited to talk about it today. Fuck it. Hey, same here. I think I, I, I could pretty much echo your sentiments there um well okay there's a few games that i'm like really anticipating um because it's there a was... good year for games we got a yes. lot of good releases to look forward to 100 yeah because there was this there's um star wars jedi survivor mm-hmm. tears of the kingdom which is obviously my most anticipated um and uh let's see hogwarts legacy and I, th- I think there was yeah. something else that I was really excited about too. Dead Space remake, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on the Xbox side, we've got Redfall coming up. We got Starfield coming this fall. Sony's got Spider Man too. I mean, it's going to be a stacked uh, a season for us. I'm I'm excited if we do like an end of year wrap up in December. There's going to be a lot to talk about. I was actually thinking of doing something along those lines, especially to cover, you know, some of the games that came out that maybe we didn't get a chance to talk about, um, or maybe a similar thing on Collateral Cinema with new movies. So uh, that that actually would be cool. That's a great idea. But uh, if you didn't uh, read the title of this episode before listening, this is our review on the Resident Evil 4 remake, which just came out this month, or I guess last month, I should say, Uh as it is April 1st, and wow, yeah, well, this this title has been very, very, very highly anticipated for a while now. We're going to get into it here in a bit. That being said, though, uh, Mr. Dan, you had the fortune of being able to go to PAX East, didn't you? I did. Uh, I uh, Going to events and conventions is one of my favorite things, and PAX East this year was a really great time. Um, they... Nintendo was present. They weren't showing anything new. Uh, high, high hopes was they would maybe have this first be a public look at a Tears of the Kingdom gameplay demo, but nothing there. They had just a multiversus like arena area with games that have already been released, uh, but a lot of really great indie titles, which 
PAX has really become a great place for indie developers to shine. So it was nice going there and playing these games and talking with the developers. I had a really great time. Awesome. Yeah, that that's pretty cool, man. I'm actually really, I was really uh, happy to hear that you had the chance to go there. I mean, what, what really stuck out to you? There were a couple of games that are going to be going up as part of our, you know, like best of E3 list uh, over at Tech Raptor. One um, is a game called Fort Solace, which is a like third person adventure narrative game. Um, it has a very uh, highly skilled uh, voice acting cast, including Troy Baker is involved with this project. And this uh, follows a character, his name is Jack Leary, who is on a uh, mining outpost on Mars. And a bunch of stuff goes wrong, and he needs to explore and survive. And it's uh, fully designed around the storytelling. I spoke with the game director, uh, James Tinsdale, and he told me that this is a game where... He wanted it to be accessible for people, so they wanted to make it uh, able to be finished without too much of a barrier to entry. He said you could sit down a few evenings and play through this game and get the story, or if you want to watch someone on a stream do it, it's a perfect type of game for that as well. Uh, so this is going to be more of almost like the demo that I played was definitely like a walking simulator-esque, uh, but there are some puzzles to solve and there's some mysteries to uncover. So Fort Solace is definitely a uh, big one that I'm going to be keeping an eye out for. Uh, there isn't a release date announced yet, but we should be seeing it later this year. Fuck yeah. That sounds awesome, man. Um, and yeah, what what an incredible opportunity to be able to go and, and see that in person uh, this last weekend, man. I'm jealous. <laughs> oh, man. It was such a good time. If you're ever able to come up here and I know Texas, you guys used to have PAX South and now PAX South doesn't exist anymore, which is sad. Yeah, no, yeah, that is sad. Also, another more more sad news is we're not getting an E3 this year. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna. I don't want to bring the whole podcast down. So, like, I'm, I was going to E3 this year. This is going to be my first opportunity ever. This is a lifelong dream, um, and I feel like I've I've had the rug pulled out from under me a little bit with this. So, oh, yeah. I'm like recovering and and mourning. Um, the really complicated part. I already purchased my flights, and they're non-refundable. So, oh. I need to figure out what I'm going to be doing logistically and financially there. So, uh, things are a little up in the air for me, but. Uh, yeah, I'm bummed about E3. It, it's such a great event. Uh, Jeff Keeley is still doing his Summer Games Fest. IGN's going to be doing Summer of Gaming. We're going to be getting some announcements and some events, but it's just not the same. E3 was such a, a great time for the industry to come together, both as games media and also it was a time for different developers and publishers to come together and actually meet in person and do business and, and get things going for the latter half of the year. Um, so, you know, will we see E3 return in the future? I, I really hope so. Um, again, it's a goal of mine. I don't care if it's just like a ball pit and then one developer, like I, I want to go and be able to, you know, have that opportunity. So we'll see maybe next year if Nintendo and Sony and Microsoft, I mean, probably not Sony, but maybe Nintendo and Microsoft, if they have more to show and more demos, they might be interested in attending. But I think if uh, if they try to do it again next year and there is as little interest as there is this year, um, 
the writings on the wall that, you know, the industry is shifting and E3 isn't really meeting the needs of it anymore, which, uh, which sucks because I, I love it. And selfishly, I want E3 to last forever and ever. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but the PAX conventions have been uh, really what E3 should be shifting towards. And especially the focus on the indie side of things uh, has been really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that, that is a bummer, man. I, wow. <laughs> to right. be ready to go and then to have the rug pulled out from under you like that. But I mean, we already knew that both of the big three companies weren't going to be there. So I was kind of wondering like, what kind of E3 are we going to have if Nintendo, Sony and Microsoft are not yeah. there? So, I mean, I guess it was going to be a, a, a chance for, you know, a lot of third party developers, indie developers, but uh, we'll see what happens next year. Obviously, um, we did end up giving that Nintendo Direct at least, so that was cool. And uh, look forward to seeing what uh, Sony and Microsoft have to uh, kind of make up for that this year. But we are here to talk about the new remake of Resident Evil 4. Just came out. And uh, uh, Dan, I believe you told me that uh, RE4 is your favorite Resident Evil game, right? It is my favorite Resident Evil. It's a top five favorite game of all time for me. I've lost count of how many times I've beaten this game, but it was at least 10 or more times on GameCube when it first came out. I got it on uh, Wii and beat it multiple times there. I got the PC, like HD Remaster Edition. I only beat it once on there because I didn't really like the keyboard controls. Uh, I got it on Switch and I beat it six or seven times on Switch. <laughs> Um, and I even, cause it was on sale for five bucks, I got like the PS4 version and I haven't beaten that version, but I played through most of the way of it. So I was extremely excited when they announced the remake. I was hoping this was the direction that Capcom was going to be going in. The Resident Evil 2 remake just nailed it so well. The Resident Evil 3 remake was good. Definitely had its own issues, but overall I like that game. So when they were doing Resident Evil 4, I could not wait for it. And um, having being so familiar with the original is really nice to see some of the surprises that are in store in this one. Um, Ash, I am I had thought that you had had some experience with Resident Evil 4, but prior to you know talking before we recorded, you have not beaten the game as many times as I have. I don't think you, this is fairly new for you, right? Yeah. So actually, I have never beat the original Resident Evil 4. Um, this is, uh, I'll give you a little bit of history. So, uh, back a couple years ago, uh, when we were doing this podcast, uh, I had actually never even touched a Resident Evil game. Uh, and this was only wow. like, like I said, like a couple of years ago, but, um, Halloween was coming up. I wanted to do a bonus round episode, uh, Halloween focus. So I thought, yeah, it's a perfect chance to finally actually get into this franchise, so I'm looking here on uh, what was previously the uh, PlayStation Now catalog, uh, and Resident Evil 4 was on there. So I started to stream it, um, and I got to say that the controls really threw me off. As a first like Resident Evil experience, um, the whole like not being able to move while aiming thing, and just like these weird controls where like you know it was like you're holding down L1 and hitting uh, the square to shoot. And like, it was very weird to me. And I, I just really couldn't get the hang of it. I got to the village segment, which is obviously like, the biggest difficulty curve in the game. Um, couldn't get past it. Uh, was wasting all my resources. Cause again, I had not really played a resident evil game before. So I gave up on it and I actually started playing way through uh, 
Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, uh, and I had a much uh, better time with that, I guess, is it's a more accessible game to modern gamers. And, um, yeah, and I actually was really, really into it. So I had a positive light on the series, and it was kind of just a pin I put there. Like, I will revisit Resident Evil 4 later. Well, fast forward some time later. Um, this season, we actually did have a chance to go back and uh, play through some of the early Resident Evil games. I mean, obviously, we did our episode on the original Resident Evil 2 and the remake, which you were on. Um, and we even did a, uh, a bonus round episode where we actually uh, played the original Resident Evil director's cut. Uh, I also had installed mm-hmm. the remake of uh, Resident Evil 1. And uh, I've played through um, both the original and the remake. I've played through both the original and the remake Resident Evil 2. So uh, I was definitely more accustomed to those tank controls um, and uh, just the older style of gameplay, which really helped when I revisited the original Resident Evil 4 recently. Um, I tried to play that version that's on PlayStation now, but I had some issues with it. I found out that it wasn't the best version of the game. Of course, now it's on PlayStation Plus, but um, there's a couple different versions. You can install Resident Evil 4 on the PS4, but then there's also the version that you can stream, but you can't download for some reason from PlayStation Plus. Mm. Um, I think the the premium tier. So, um, again, didn't really get too far. Got to the village again, kind of didn't really get it. But uh, the other day, in fact, in anticipation for this episode... I uh, decided to uh, look and see uh, what it was running on Switch, and uh, there were Capcom was actually running a sale recently. So uh, Resident Evil Four on the Switch was ten bucks, and I actually had just enough points saved up that it was actually free for me to install. So I okay. did. Um, I've now reached the villa. You know that that part mm-hmm. where uh, at least in the remake, you know, you had to, like board up the windows and all that, and all these enemies coming back and forth, and you and Luis are fighting them. So I actually yeah. got to that point in the original game, and actually had a much better time with it. I was definitely enjoying it a lot more. I think the version on Switch is actually pretty good. I I I actually appreciate that they changed the control scheme to be a little bit more similar to what you might expect in a modern uh, Resident Evil game. So you know holding down uh, ZL and pressing ZR to shoot way better. Um, thank you for doing that, Nintendo. And the original control scheme is there if you prefer it. But um, yeah, I actually did get a chance to kind of play through the original. And it was really cool because I actually had already played quite a bit through the remake. So I was kind of comparing and contrasting and seeing what was changed here. And I mean, the overall like layout of the game and where you go is pretty much the same. But I've noticed, you know, where they would expand on the remake and, and change a couple of things. And I thought that that was actually really cool to play the remake first up to a certain point and then uh, go back and play the original. Resident Evil 4 is one of the most uh, well-loved and well-remembered games that people will return to time and again. It uh, it released in 2005 and uh, you, you you mentioned Ash that the control scheme of the original, especially the the stop and pop mechanic of you can't shoot and move at the same time, it definitely has thrown a lot of people off, especially in a modern setting. So to have this uh, be able to come out, just nail the tone of the original Resident Evil Four, and also adapt on it in so many ways, I didn't know exactly how they were going to change it or how different it was going to be. I am more familiar with this game than maybe any other game it's like this game in ocarina of time i don't ever need to 
think while playing, I can just play through the entire game and go from objective to objective. And I, there's never really a question of what I need to do next. I always know where the next item is, where the next dungeon is, um, in Resident Evil 4, where the next like pathway to, to get around is. So there are a lot of things that I'm familiar with in this game. And there are areas that are definitely modeled pretty much the same. The village area in the beginning, which serves as a really good level check, yes. that has been largely kept the same. But then there are areas like the lake, which is extremely different. The lake is this big, sprawling exploration-like playground now. And there were several hours that I spent just going around and getting treasures and finding secrets and things in the lake. And so there's a lot um, where players who are very familiar with the game, like me, have areas that they can kind of breeze through and they recognize exactly. And then there are other parts that are different, or you take a different pathway to get to an area that's familiar. There was a, a boss battle with the village chief that I knew was coming up and I knew I was getting close to that part of the game. But in the original, there's like this big ski lift um, scene that you have to go through to get down to where he is. Yeah. And uh, the, the remake removed that. And so I was kind of expecting or looking out for something like that. And then next thing I know, I'm in the house and I'm looking around. I was like, wait a second, this is where the battle happens. And then the cutscene started and he came in and I had to fight him. So stuff like that, it just catches me off guard. Like, I don't think I'm about to get into a boss battle. And then I do. So that stuff has been cool. And um, it's just been fun. Like Resident Evil is such a, a fun game and one of the best games when it comes to replayability. And I definitely intend to play Resident Evil 4, the remake, uh, many, many times over. And I'm hoping to platinum it. But I'm looking at the trophy list, and some of those are pretty ridiculous. There's one where uh, you have to go through and not use a single herb in your entire playthrough. Um, there's one where you have to go through with only a handgun. Uh, and then there, there are all the, the ones that carried over from the old game of needing to beat it under a certain amount of time and kind of needing to speedrun it. So there are a lot of challenges that I will, I'm happy that I have time to kind of chip away at this trophy list, but this is one that will definitely take me a, a good while to achieve. Yeah, yeah, no, there is actually a lot to do here. And I bet that a lot of those trophies are kind of dependent on uh, being able to replay the game uh, a few times, because I know that that's, you know, a pretty big staple of the series is being able to come in and replay with uh, all these new weapons that you wouldn't have access to. Uh, in the original mm -hmm. game or, or even, you know, kind of like New Game Plus and like bringing your other weapons in. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, further replays. Um, currently, I am not finished with the game. I got to the castle. So uh, I got to the Grand Hall area um, and the part where you get to play as Ashley for a little bit. Um, we're going to try to keep the spoiler free in terms of story, but I, I don't think that that's too big of a spoiler. So, um, yeah, you get to play as Ashley for a little bit. And you were mentioning that they actually changed that a little bit and actually uh, added more uh, to do while you were playing as Ashley. Like the whole being able to shine the flashlight on the uh, mm -hmm. suits of armor was new, right? Exactly, yeah. So for people familiar with the original game, you'll remember the when you start to play as Ashley, you are going up against these knights of armor that have been infested with the Las Plagas. And so you can't fight against them. You just have to run away. And there are some other like minor enemies that you need to uh, deal with too. And she does have some some limited combat, combat abilities in the uh, original game. You can pick up a lamp and throw it at an enemy to light them on fire. 
In this one, you have a lamp that emits like a blue flame light, and the Plagas can get frozen by that light. So you have a little bit of a defensive uh, move right up front with you. So going through that part of the game, they made it more interesting. They also expanded it a bit. So there's like a cool library area that you can explore. And this is where Resident Evil 4, the original, got away from the survival horror and made it more action. This does a really good job of combining the two. And this is a really good section that if you're in the right mood, this is a very creepy, uh, like scary section where you don't have your weapons and you are um, going around this library and like looking between the stacks and you can hear the enemies like moving and walking and searching for you. So there are some really cool things um, that's being done in that scene. And I'm happy that they did that because the actually part of the game was never my favorite part. And this made it at least a little bit more interesting for me to play. So it's uh, they did a good job with that. And they also turned Ashley into a more useful character. She's less of just like someone you need to babysit now and more um, like her own well-defined character who is uh, is going to be, you know, useful. Um, and in this scene, uh, she is trying to get back to Leon um, and trying to, you know, be useful and help him out. So there's uh, there's some cool changes that they've done there. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that as well. Um, I yeah, I really actually like what they've done with Ashley, you know, kind of like changing the mechanics up a little bit. And um, I think that instead of just having her like follow or stay now that you can kind of have her follow close or stick far behind and it kind of acts like a tether. Uh, and in that sense, Ashley's kind of actually uh, moves about on her own uh, and uh, makes her own decisions. There's more like AI at work here. So she'll make the right decision to kind of stay away from enemies. And uh, it's just, you know, how much tether are you giving her to do that? And so, you know, there's kind of a, yeah, stick close behind me while we're trying to run past enemies or, you know, get back behind me and mm -hmm. basically stay out of range of the enemies. Um, and I also like that, you know, instead of having to manage her health bar and having to like continually feed her herbs, um, it works a little bit differently. She just gets incapacitated now. Um, and so when you get a chance, you lift her back up and, and then that's it, you know, you don't have to worry about it, but you know, the enemies can still get her while she's incapacitated. Um, and sometimes they'll just come up and they'll just like steal her away and start taking her away. And you're like, oh shit, you hear yeah. her scream <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, let me go get her. Let me go get her. But um, I, I like how they're able to add that tension, you know, maintain that part of it, um, preserve the idea of having to, you know, basically be her escort and her, her bodyguard. But, um, give her a little bit more agency and a little bit more to do. Um, and I definitely feel like the, uh, the, her, uh, voice performance is a lot better here than in the original as well. Um, want to cycle definitely back improvement. Yeah. 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 It is an improvement. And I, that can't be said for all of the voice performances in this game. We'll <laughs> get to that. Um, but yeah, her, she was definitely an improvement. Um, but, but cycling back to something you said earlier about how this game is kind of uh, basically re-adding some of the more survival horror aspects because uh, Resident Evil 4 originally was the game that kind of moved the series uh, towards the more um, action horror, you know, um, and, it, mm -hmm. and it is a good, a pretty a good middle ground between, say, like the first three Resident Evil and like Resident Evil 5 and 6 from what I hear, but uh what I uh, noticed was that, yeah, they were even kind of trying to toe that that balance a little bit more here, especially in the opening section of the game. 
So, like, the village, like you said, is pretty much exactly like it was in the original, and that's good. Um, but right up until that point, and this was in the, the, the Chainsaw demo as well, which I played through and had a blast um, while I was waiting for this to come out. Uh, I like how that whole first house has been hugely expanded um, and kind of like what they did with the Resident Evil 2 remake where they basically darkened it up and made it a little bit more scary, right? Yeah, a lot of this game takes place at night now, like the opening scenes and that house, um, the fact that there's a whole basement now that you can go explore, um, they've made the enemy AI a lot smarter. They're way faster now. They're actually hard to hit sometimes. And uh, there have been so many times that I'll go to shoot an enemy charging at me and I'll miss and they'll just come and like impale me with a pitchfork. So yes. it's uh, it's it's really intensive. Um Ash, you're playing on PS5, right? Yes, I am. So, yeah, I finally did get a PS5, and this is basically the first game that I pre-ordered for the nice. PS5. The first game that I was anticipating to play on PS5, and it is an incredible experience. Um, the load times are almost non-existent. It is so fast, so smooth. Um, I don't have a 4K TV anyway, so I just switched it on to performance mode, and those mm -hmm. 60 frames are awesome it really helps with the fluidity of combat yeah we um we don't have uh we're not publishing the video version of this but i've got a projector behind me with some images and i've been playing i played a bit of it last night on my projector and in my game room i have a big blank wall that i looked at yesterday i was like wait a second i can use my projector on this um and so it's not a 4k projector but it's uh if you want just like a big giant like gaming experience it's, it's really cool um so i'm gonna play some of that on the projector tonight as it gets a bit darker but it's uh it's really such a um really well done on ps5 you can go between resolution or performance resolution it is It'll run at 4K. Um, you can turn ray tracing on or off. Frame rate, um, I'm really happy with the frame rate. It, it is somewhere in the 40s if you're running at 4K. Um, if you are then on performance, it'll, it'll run at 60. So I've been kind of bouncing between those, but mostly using the um, the 4K, which has just looked really, really great on. Um, the ray tracing doesn't make as much of a difference, I've noticed, mostly in like the water reflection areas. But the majority of the game, um, it's not something you'll necessarily notice. So you could leave that on or off, depending on your preference. Um, Ash, are you playing through on normal difficulty or hardcore difficulty? Normal. Because the hardcore actually says that it's it's better for like people who have played through the original Resident Evil 4. And uh, I haven't. Now I've played through quite a bit of it. But um, I felt that the normal difficulty, and most of the time I start games on the medium difficulty, um, just depending on what it is. So, yeah, and, and I, I actually did turn the ray tracing on. Um, I guess it does let you do that in performance mode still, and I thought that that was pretty cool, cool like the reflections and whatnot. And there was also, like, another setting about with, like, Leon's hair. Um, yeah. Kind of wondering why those were turned off by default. Like, why wouldn't so, you have those on? Yeah, the, the settings, I forget exactly what they're called, but you can either make his hair be just, like, one one thing that like moves together or you can have like strands of hair that kind of move individually so i turned it on on the strands of hair and honestly it looks a little strange to me i kept it on that setting so i haven't moved it back yet partially because you can only change the graphic settings from the main menu you can't just do it in the game and so every time i go to play i don't think to change it and then i don't want to back out to do it um 
but yeah, it's it's funny how that is like its own graphic setting is Leon's hair and how you can adjust that to you know respond the way you want to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also like what they've done with the combat. Uh, I think it definitely feels a lot more fluid, less uh, stiffness. I mean, obviously, we don't have the tank controls anymore. We're we're dealing with nope. you know more modern third person shooter controls. Um, but I like how you know you can kind of weave uh, in and out you know between enemies. Um, but I feel like you know the on the flip side, the the enemies are also able to hit you a little bit easier now and like you said i mean they'll come at you with that pitchfork from pretty far away and like in the original where like i was sure i'd be able to like run through this crowd of enemies now uh in the remake it's like no one or two of them will probably grab you on your way out you can't just juggernaut past them anymore um but they did add a couple things to make i guess the experience a little bit easier uh one of those is the parry mechanic uh mm-hmm. which i actually am a huge fan of I am too. I haven't used it as much as I should, but there are some parts in the game, especially going up against the chainsaw guys, where it can be extremely useful. Um, I just got to a section of the game that I won't spoil for anyone here, but for anyone who's familiar with the original, they might know what part I'm talking about. Um, But the parry mechanic uh, is hugely important for at least this one particular scene um, in a battle. So that was something that uh, if you hadn't used it up to that point, it makes it really necessary to need to um, practice with and, and get good at to be able to move the story forward. Yeah, and there are actually some like attacks in the game, like with the chainsaw guy, that uh, uh, you uh, you have to parry. I mean, otherwise it will kill you. So, and usually it'll be kind of an indicator on screen that'll let you know, hey, uh, this uh, this attack is going to kill you. I mean, there are enemies that'll fucking chomp your head off uh, yeah. if if uh, you you let them. So, I, I do like how there is that that little parry mechanic. Um, some of the boss enemies also even have kind of like a dodge mechanic that you can hit by hitting the crouch button. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, some of the death animations in this game are so brutal. Leon will get decapitated. I've had his eyes poked out by enemies. <laughs> um, I've been eviscerated by the chainsaw. I've been eaten by the lake monster. There's just so many different and creative ways to die. Um, the dodge mechanics are are they're cool when they allow them, but the game is like purposely designed to not allow you to have that level of fluidity. Uh, definitely more than the original game. But there are moments where like I just want to roll out of the way, and this game doesn't allow you to do that. No. So it's um they've nearly eliminated quick time events for the most part. So you don't need to. If you don't like those in the original, then don't worry. They're not really back for this. But there are some semi-optional ones that allow you, if you want to parry or dodge an attack, those prompts will sometimes come up on screen. Uh, And if you're fast enough, you can avoid taking some damage, which has been hugely helpful uh, for certain parts of the game. Yeah, and I think that they've uh, actually taken a a couple cues from like Resident Evil 2 Remake in particular, um, I didn't play the three remake, but I'm assuming it's it's kind of the same there. Um, but you know, with, with the knife and and uh, Resident Evil Two remake, knives were like a sub item that you like kept on you, and so like if an enemy grabbed you, you could quickly poke them and um, and it would use up the durability of the knife. A lot of those mechanics have returned here. So Leon has his combat knife, um, and it does have durability now. This is a change from the original game, and so you have to be a little bit more careful. And so, like, if an enemy grabs you from behind, yeah, or, or grabs you even from the front, like, it, it, if, you, if you have an opportunity to slice him in the neck, 
you can take that, but mm-hmm. you're also going to take a huge durability on that knife and also parrying some of those attacks that would have killed you. Um, you know, you got to think, you know, do, do I have an, a, can I just kind of run out of the way of this attack and sort of dodge it? Or do I have to use up that durability? Um, you can also come up from behind enemies and uh, do a stealth kill that combined with the new crouch mechanic, which wasn't in the original game uh, allows you to kind of approach things from a a more tactical standpoint, which is cool. I think that's something we said about the Resident Evil two remake that they did well was kind of, you know, adding a little bit more of a a tactical um, nature to the game. And I think that this game follows suit with that. So I I like how Leon has the combat knife and you can upgrade. I definitely upgraded the, the durability and the power on that as quickly as I possibly could. Um, but the uh, Leon can also pick up like kitchen knives and boot knives um, as backup, so that if the combat knife breaks, you have something that you can use. <laughs> yeah, so I've approached it in a different way. My combat knife broke, and I think I repaired it once, and I have not repaired it since. Um, I just keep picking up the kitchen knives, and I'm using those. And then if I run out of knives, it's like, well, I'm just going to need to not get caught then. Um, Resident Evil does a good do- uh, job of mitigating a chronic gamer problem of holding on to your items till like the very final boss or till the end of the game. I use everything in my arsenal, and this is some like classic RE4 strategies. Uh, ammo management is always going to be a, um, a part of the strategy. Resident Evil 4 gives you more ammo than the previous Resident Evil games. You also... Yeah get like the attache case um, attachments and charms that allow you to expand the amount of ammo that you can craft or the drops that you get. So those have been helpful as well. So I've been pumping everything I've got into expanding the amount of handgun ammo I can get. Uh, I got the Punisher early on in the game. I just recently fully upgraded it and unlocked the exclusive perk for that, which allows it to blast through five enemies at a time. The Punisher is my favorite handgun in the game, and it's the one that I will use through the end and in subsequent playthroughs. Um, The Blacktail is uh, good. It has a fast firing rate, and it handles really well, but the ability to punch through enemies multiples at a time actually helps you conserve on ammunition and uh, makes it hugely um, helpful. It also punches through shields, which is really helpful for the castle sections. Uh, but you, um, I have purchased one of every type of gun in the game. Um, there are some that I don't use as often. I don't pull the TMP out as much, but you're going to pick up ammo drops for those guns anyways. So for me, especially in boss battles, I want to have as much ammunition that I can throw at these guys as possible. And, uh, having the different numbers of guns makes it easier to do that. Um, and as you go through, uh i i use every just about every gun in the game i switch between you know the shotgun and the rifle and the pistol um i bought the broken butterfly the magnum when that was available Uh and i purposely held on to that again being familiar with the original game there is a like mini boss battle that is semi-optional um you can either evade this enemy until an elevator arrives and then you can get on the elevator and escape or you can stand your ground and fight but if you fight, it is um, the arguably the toughest boss battle, if not the toughest in terms of difficulty. He absorbs the most damage of any other boss in the game to the point where the first few times I played through this game, I didn't think it was possible to kill him because he just absorbs damage so much. 
So I saved my Magnum for that, and I launched eight Magnum bullets into him and then nearly cleared out the rest of my arsenal before I finally took him down. And it took me three or four times uh, to do that. And uh, it was definitely worth it. Um, you get on PlayStation 5, you get an achievement for doing that, and you also get uh, an item as well. So it's uh, for completionists, you'll definitely want to go through and battle him. At the same time, if you want to wait and until you have some of like the upgraded super weapons and uh, future playthroughs, you can definitely do that. I was just going crazy and wanted to take him down for real on my first run through. And I'm playing on hardcore mode, so every like hit I get was taking down a lot of my health, and it's been tough. I've, I've died so many times in this game. Um, the cabin scene with mm -hmm. Louis Sarah when you're just under assault, uh, yeah. that took me like multiple attempts over the course of two days to be able to clear because I just kept getting overrun and crowd control is the biggest like concern in this game. So I always try to keep grenades handy, um, particularly, uh, and Ash, this is something you just realized, was uh, flash grenades mm -hmm. and how incredibly helpful flash grenades are. So definitely good to keep your arsenal well-stocked and ready to go, but also not be afraid to use those items when you need to. You're looking for someone? Maybe some missing senorita? Ashley, where are you? Your soul requires cleansing. Ashley Graham, are you in here? Let me go. Listen. Here in the president's orders and What is that? What do we do? The last lamps are escaping. We need to go. I'm gonna get you home safe. You can stop right there. Ada. Who are you? What are you doing here? My faith is I can show her the bad. Ashley! Run! Shall overflow with these grains. What's happening to me? <laughs> now, abandon your body. Leave the girl. She's lost no matter what. Now that he has chosen death. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, I do think that both the original and remake of Resident Evil 4 uh, definitely encourage the use of ammunition a lot more than in the Resident Evil games that I've played. Um, the game actually gives you a ton of ammo. Uh, in fact, um, there's less of that like 
clearing every room vibe. I mean, there's really not even any indicator that you have or haven't cleared a room. More so, it's like these ammo pickups will just kind of come after killing enemies or um, after uh, breaking barrels and boxes and vases. So, like, you, these resources are, are kind of... Um, are, are renewable in a sense. There's not like a, a finite amount in the game, like in the first um, uh, few Resident Evil games. So uh, I actually really, really enjoyed that the game actually kind of lets you just go all out. I think that I'm drawing a lot of similarities with Resident Evil Village, which is uh, one of the other ones that I've actually completed. Um, actually, I feel like Resident Evil Village was very similar to 4, and that was intentional, um, being a little bit more action-heavy, um, but towing the balance and still being, you know, survival horror. But, yeah, and I also like how uh, you can pretty much keep uh, up to eight weapons on you. I mean, the game gives you eight slots to, to use for, for quick-selecting weapons, which is really cool. Um, I, I, I want to say in Resident Evil 2 Remake, it was just the 4, right? Um, in the... Yeah, I think it was just four slots, if I'm remembering correctly. And then four so sub-items. Yeah, so it's awesome that they've expanded that. And um, there are so many fun guns to use in this game. So, like, you definitely... I have all four of my slots filled, and I could honestly use a couple more. So it's uh, really helpful to have um, those and just switch between weapons quickly. Well, this one gives you gives you eight, I mean, because you have two in each direction, which is cool. So that, to me, suggested that you're supposed to keep all of those weapons on you. Um, and like the, um, of course, in, in this game, there's no distinction with like the sub weapons. The L1 is just for the knife. And so like all the grenades are actually mapped to the regular weapon wheel. But, um, yeah, I kind of felt like the game was encouraging you to hold all of these weapons. So I was upgrading my inventory as soon as I was able to. And I like how the game actually, uh, gives you an opportunity to, to do that. Um, at pretty much every point in the game where you would start to be running out of inventory space you can um, you can buy the uh, more inventory spacing by a bigger case from the merchant, which is nice. So um, I didn't really have any inventory issues in this game, although inventory management is important. But having played through a few Resident Evil games, I kind of know what I'm doing. Um, you kind of just keep the herbs on you until you need space or you need a, a more powerful herb, and then you can start crafting them to give yourself more space. And I love the auto-sort mechanic. That's a lifesaver. I'm constantly auto-sorting my inventory because um, it'll 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 organize the items in a way that is most efficient so you can carry the most items. And, yeah, you can easily carry eight weapons on you, no problem, plus their mods and ammo, and, and, and that's really nice. Um one of the new weapons I actually was kind of impressed with that I liked was the uh, the bolt thrower. Yeah, the bolt thrower has been good for dealing with individual um, enemies, and it's helpful, especially in the beginning, to conserve some of that ammunition. Uh -huh. I don't use it as much in the later part of the game, but if there's ever just one enemy I need to pick off, then yeah, I'll switch to that, and I'll take my time to take him down or at least get him down to where one or two shots will finish him off. Yeah, the bolt thrower is nice because the, the ammo can be retrieved, and mm -hmm. um, it's good for stealth approaches, too, because it doesn't make a whole lot of noise. Um, but you can also attach mines, um, which obviously won't help with stealth and won't allow you to retrieve the bolt. But uh, that's also good for crowd control. I mean, you can kind of use that in lieu of a grenade or a shotgun blast. Um, and I feel like it's a little bit more, uh, less expensive that way as well. So um, the bolt thrower was a was a cool, fun item for me. Um, I kind of mostly stick with, you know, like the handgun, the shotgun and the rifle like you. I don't use the TMP so much, but like if I'm getting a lot of ammo, like, I'll, you know, I always have it on me. So if I'm getting a lot of ammo, I'll start to kind of use it a little bit. 
Um, but I've always been a sniper and shotgun guy. So I, I enjoyed being able to like pick enemies off from a distance and then come in close and like crowd control with the shotgun. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, even the handguns in this game are pretty good. I mean, you can add the laser attachment to either the Punisher or uh, Leon's uh, custom handgun, the SG-09R. I think is yeah, what it's that called. sounds right. Yeah. Um, all good weapons. Like you, I recognized the usefulness of the Punisher once I got to the castle. <laughs> right. Being able it, to like pierce uh, through those shields. Yeah, it's so, so helpful. And um, the uh, the diversity of the weapons, and they've added some new ones for this game. So there have been some nice surprises there of uh, what's different from the original. And I haven't looked into what the like unlockable special weapons are and what's different there or what the unlock um, requirements are. So I'm going to dig into all of that once I complete the main story, which might be this weekend. I'm on Chapter 12 right now, and uh, there are probably several more hours for me to go. And I'm taking my time. Like I'm at a point in the game where I've kind of cleared out all the enemies in my area, so I'm just exploring and collecting treasures. And this is a, a really cool way that this game encourages you to do that and allows you to do that. There are requests from the merchant that allow you to go a little bit out of your way to uh, get these um, these spinels or spinels. I never actually learned how to correctly <laughs> pronounce that. Um, but those can now be used instead of just selling them for a thousand pesetas. You can uh, trade them in for something that is more more helpful or more useful. Um, the Punisher is actually one of the guns you can unlock with with those as a special thing. So yeah. there are uh, definitely some really good. Uh, changes at work here. The way that you can upgrade the guns is uh, mostly similar. Um, they've changed some, you know, some aspects, and I feel like even some powers of different weapons. But they've uh, they've adapted it to make it work well with what the current game is. Um, Ash, have there been any specific parts of this game where you found you were dying over and over again? Or have you found it to be a pretty fair playthrough and you've been able to to get through the enemies pretty well? Most of the time I've been able to get through the enemies pretty well. I'll tell you the, the parts of the game that I had the most difficulty with uh, was probably the initial village segment. Um, although... Uh, not as big of an issue as I had, I guess, in the original. I guess I'd kind of learned the layout and where you go and, you know, the best path to kind of get through that. Um, and, and really, I mean, you just kind of have to just hold them at bay until, you know, the, the bell rings. I, I did learn that uh, you can shoot the bell. If you have a, if you yeah. have a, it, it's going to be easier in a subsequent playthrough if you have the rifle on you with the uh, fully upgraded scope but apparently you can shoot the bell and trigger the uh, that the enemies to go away which is really cool I didn't even know that was a thing um, so that part um, the villa section where you are barricading the house that took me a few tries um, also fighting Mendez and um, I'll tell you I actually <laughs> fucked up bad so i finally beat mendez the the village chief um and then his little eye pops out well then ashley comes in and she's like hey come out the window so i'm like okay and then i realized i left the eye in the building well i looked it up and apparently the eye is not uh completely necessary for progress and in the original it was it is a sellable item but yep. and so at first i was okay with it but then i got to the next section and i really needed that money uh, so I was like, oh, all right, let me fight him again. So that took a few more tries again um, so that I could get the damn false eye and sell it. 
I somehow defeated the village chief on my first attempt, and I was expecting to die many times because he is another good level check in this game, and he's um, definitely increases his difficulty. But I think I was so familiar with his attacks and fighting style, and they haven't changed too much. Yeah. So I was able to evade him, keep my distance, and just keep the damage up as, as I was going along. Um, I definitely died a whole lot at the cabin scene with Lewis as you're trying to uh, defend against that. I died many times, um, a little past the part where you're currently at Ash. There's like an underground area of the castle, and there are some really challenging parts where enemies just keep on coming. Um, there are some bug enemies that I, I hate. I've hated them in the original, and I hate them again now. Um, it's way better when you have an unlimited ammo weapon and you can just you know take them all down. Um, but when you're trying to conserve and be smart, it's uh, it's difficult to do that. Um, but I've been having a blast with it. I clear the original game without any like special weapons, usually in about 10 hours. Um, I'm on, I think, 19 hours right now. And uh, and I'm still like, I'm, yeah, I'm in the castle. So I'm uh, I'm at the tail end of the castle. But it's uh, something where there's there's just a lot more to do in this game. And yeah, like the requests, playing... like you mentioned earlier, you know. Yeah, I just I took time to go hunt down like a bird because the merchant wanted a uh, an item that the bird had stolen. So it's uh, it makes it, it like gamifies it more. It's just the game is so cool and it like it doesn't take itself too seriously and it makes it just like comical at times and uh, and it's great. It's it's why it's it's been so loved for so long and uh, and I'm I'm so excited with how well this remake kills it. Um, I'm having a blast playing on PS5. When it goes on sale on PC, I'll probably pick it up on PC too because I want to see uh, how my PC can handle it. But it's uh, it looks great and plays great, and it's just uh, such a good time. Hell yeah, man! Uh, on the uh, the fact that the game doesn't take itself seriously, I kind of wanted to bring that up because um, I like that so many of like the iconic like cheesy lines were actually kept in the game. Uh, there was one in particular that you mentioned on a previous episode the the bingo line. Where'd everybody go? Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> that's I'm the so game. Happy they kept, they it kept in. that in. They Leon's kept that. Yeah, they kept that line, and then they removed the uh, ballistics line that Luis has when he's uh, referring to Ashley in a um, not derogatory, but in a suggestive way. So yeah. they're you know they they've kept some, and then they they cut some out. <laughs> kind of glad that they did that because like I mean I feel like the original Ashley was. Uh, objectified a little bit more than was necessary in the original game. Of course, I mean, it, I think it also does kind of add to Luis's character and makes him seem like a little bit more of a scoundrel that, that he would make a, a comment about that. But um, I guess Capcom decided to kind of play it safe and not have that. And that's good. It kind of gives Ashley a little bit more agency and, you know, more of a, of a character than a, a sex object, which is nice. Um, also uh, to uh, the chagrin, I guess, of, uh, a lot of uh, gamers, uh, there are no more panty shots. Um, there aren't. No, I. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say I noticed that. Is if I looked, I haven't actually tried to look. But they just the design of her outfit. I realized, like in the original, she's literally in just like a short skirt and nothing else. And this one, there's the the clothing design or costume design is. Um, it's detailed in a way so that it's like, oh yeah, you can't just look up her skirt if you want to. Um, so yeah, they've uh, they they've adapted it, I think, in ways to make it more tolerable for a, a 2023 audience. 
Yeah, so uh, apparently there's this huge copy pasta. I think I shared it in our, our shitposting group about how somebody was really pissed about the, I don't know if it was ironic or not, but somebody was really pissed about the panty shots. Um, you know, it's really, what, what's really funny is if you go look up the reviews for this game, I mean, right when this came out, the critics were raving about it. It was getting perfect scores, 10 out of 10, 9.5 out of 10, you know? So it was like, okay, yeah, this might actually be really good. But now if you go look at the audience scores on like Metacritic, what you'll see is it, it's a kind of mix. It's in that yellow area. But go look at the reviews and here's what you'll see. 10, 10, 10, 10, mm-hmm. 10, 10, 0. Okay, what does this zero review say? And it's like some bullshit about like not being able to see Ashley's panties or changing a few character lines that just oh my God. don't work as well in a 2023 context. And I'm like, really? Like, even if like that's going to detract a couple points for you, you're going to give the game a zero because they removed a line of dialogue that worked better in 2005 than in 2023. <laughs> like, come on, man. So, yeah. yeah. Gamers, um, man, I, I hate gamers sometimes. <laughs> just... I, I I myself am a gamer and I'm a Star Wars fan and I also like hate both of those groups because <laughs> there's just so much toxicity and and it's like whenever someone's like oh like I'm a Star Wars fan I always need to like double check and be like so what what do you mean by that because um, <laughs> it's just been uh, the it's so yeah the the whole just toxicity of it has been difficult. Um, but the changes I mean so like the character of Luis he is so uh much better in this game you spend more time with him they built out his character to be less of like a caricature i feel like and so he um there's a moment in this game where i started to like actually form a connection with him and i was like oh this is like a really like much better written character and a much better acted character so he's just uh He's a really great companion to have. Um, I like Ashley's character a lot better. When you are doing the shooting range after you meet Ashley, and she'll sit on the barrel and she'll like cheer you on. And when you get like a headshot, she'll she'll call out and stuff. And it's like it's cool. It's stupid, but it's like that encouragement felt good. I was like, oh, I have like a cheerleader with me. This is really nice. Hey, on the note of the shooting range, I'm actually kind of proud of myself. So uh, the first shooting range that you get to in the game. I actually got an S rank on all three of those challenges. Um, the rifle one, I actually got that S rank the first time I did it. Uh, I'm just really good with the sniper. Um, the handgun took me a, a couple shots, and then the uh, the combination uh, rifle and handgun took several tries to get through. But I did get an S rank on all of those, and I was quite proud of myself. Um, and then later on, when you get to the shooting gallery, I got an S rank on the on the shotgun one too. So uh, I, I really love what they've done with the shooting galleries. Now, I haven't played that part in the original game, so I don't really have anything to compare it with, but I, I am enjoying the, uh, the, the the shooting gallery. I mean, it was just really fun to just kind of like get away from the main story for a little bit and just and just shoot shit. And uh, yep. and then you get whenever you get to the bonus round, that music is so fucking good. <laughs> Oh, it's so cool. I've uh, been wondering for a while if uh, the merchant has to pay Salazar like a lease to be able to set up shop in his castle and like operate these shooting ranges. Like it makes no sense. Like why is he not targeted by the enemies? Why is he allowed to do business here? Well, he's a Ganado, isn't he? Like I think people have said like if you look at his eyes, like he's a Ganado. He's just a friendly one for some reason. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I forgot about that detail. I think if you... 
I, I don't think it lets you aim at him in this one, but no. maybe if you're far enough away. In the original, though, you can straight up kill him, and then he'll still show up the next time you're supposed to go see him. But never but, yeah. in that spot, which led to some like some uh, questions about whether there were multiple merchants or something. And I think if you play on like the harder difficulty, if you kill him, he never comes back. I'm not sure about that. I would need to double check that because that would be interesting. But I think that the merchant would would always be in the next spot. Um, but yeah, if you zoom in in the original game and look at his eyes, they're very like red and bloodshot, and it, it looks very much like the Ganados. So he's infected in in some way with that. Um, but there's uh, there's the the shooting range is so cool. I have so there. I think there are four shooting ranges total. And I've done three of them, and I've been able to S-rank each game in each one. So there are nine games total I've S-ranked. Nice. Um, and again, that's that's a PS5 trophy that I'm going for, is S-ranking all of them. Um, I've been getting better at them. The first one took me way too long to S-rank each one. I was also, like, I was focusing on getting all of the little medallions in the first one, which took a super long time to hit all of those. Um, yep. And then now now that I'm not going for those medallions and I'm just going for a high score that will get me an S-rank, it has been admittedly easier. Um, and I think the combo in the first one of the rifle and the pistol, I did look up a YouTube video to see a strategy of someone who did S-rank it because I was just having a lot of trouble with that. Um, the second shooting range, I did a little bit better. And then the third one, I was surprised. It only took me a few tries on each one to S rank. And so I don't know if they're getting easier or if I'm getting better. So it's uh, it's cool to kind of see the progress uh, as you go along. And in the original game, the shooting range, you would get these like trophies, basically, these bottle caps. And they were cool, but they didn't do anything. And this one, you can get tokens that you can then unlock to get charms that attach to your case. And they give you special perks. So yeah. right now, between my three charms, I have two that are dedicated to the efficiency of the green herbs. So every green herb I use gives me 60% more health than it would wow. normally. Um, so they're incredibly helpful and can help a lot with uh, resource management as you go through. Yeah, and there's kind of a little bit more of like a gotcha mechanic with those now. Um, so you can continue to replay the shooting range and get more charms, uh, which is actually really cool. Um, on the topic of the merchant, because we got into it a little bit, um, how do you feel like his performance here compares to the original? And, and that of uh, Leon as well, because I mean, the, both of those were the, the same voice actor, I believe, in the original. Oh, gun rhymes with fun for a reason, stranger. Um, I I love him. He threw me off a little bit when I first met him because his voice is different and his uh the way he like phrases things is different. But now I just I love him. I've heard him speak enough, and he has so many different lines. I feel like his voice lines have been well expanded beyond what they were in the original. Uh, and he'll just he, he says he has like a new greeting for you and he'll say different stuff. Yeah. And then he has a different line for like each gun you buy. And it's just so cool. I I love him. He's uh he's one of the best like characters in gaming for me. Tuning weapons to suit your specific needs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you buying? Well, what are you Literally, selling? When, when he said that, like, oh, we're trying to get a sense of your taste. It's yes. like I had literally, I think it was the Punisher and 
Um, or no, it was the riot gun. I had sold my shotgun and bought the riot gun because I, I like the riot gun a lot better. It's also just a better gun in general. Um, but that's when he said, he's like, oh, we're getting a sense of your taste. I was like, yes, this is my taste because I do like this gun quite a bit. Um, <laughs> so in this playthrough, I did sell the riot gun and pick up the striker, um, which I, I don't like the look of it as much. But for this first playthrough, I think it's better suited for crowd control if you are getting up close with a, a bunch of enemies at once. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently you can actually sell your weapons back and get back uh, everything that you spent on upgrading the weapon too now, which is good. Yeah, so I looked into that because I wanted to see. So I upgraded um, uh, something on the shotgun, and I checked the uh, sale price before and after the upgrade. And the resale after I upgraded, I lost maybe like 750 pesetas on the upgrade, but I got the vast majority of it back. And it was like a 20,000 peseta upgrade. So you don't get 100% back, but you get a lot, like to the point where just upgrade everything. I used to not upgrade my guns until I got the one that I knew I was using for the rest of the game. So like I did, I put nothing into the original shotgun. And if I had known that you could just get it all back, I would have uh, upgraded that more and then just sold it and put it into the riot gun. Yeah. And there's a charm actually that'll at least one that'll increase the resale value, which is nice. Um, but yeah, yeah. Back onto the performances. Um, I, I definitely feel like the, uh, the voice actor for the merchant and then the voice actor for Leon, um, it, it definitely feels like they're trying to emulate the original performances. So um, it's very close, but just a little bit off. Um, so for people that, are, you know, some people might be a little bit disappointed. It's not the original voices, but it is the same voice actor for Leon that was in uh, Resident Evil 2 remake. Uh, and I think he does a great job. He's, he he kind of sounds pretty, pretty mm -hmm. similar. I mean, and I mean, Leon's voiced by, I think, between like Resident Evil 2 and 4, different, uh, a couple different voice actors anyway. So they did a good job and he sounds very similar to what he was in the original game. So yeah. the uh, the voice actors doing a really good job there. Um, the voice acting in general, I've been happy with. They've removed a, a good amount of the campy and silly parts of it. Um, Lord Sadler is like the main villain in this game. And in the original, you have several meetings with him throughout the game, but he's much more of a mysterious figure this time around. And he kind of lurks in the shadows and you just get glimpses of him here and there. So I'm really excited to see what they've done with Lord Sadler as I get later into the game. Um, because for people playing for the first time, like he's he's not like a character that you really see all that much. So it'll be cool to uh, to see what they do with him. One common criticism I hear is that Ada's uh, voice actor kind of feels like uh, she's uh, what's the word? Um, what, what's the term for for when a voice actor just isn't like or an actor just isn't performing as as well? Like they're just kind of checking it, in, like raining it in, phoning, phoning it in, phoning yeah. it in. That's the that's the phrase I'm looking for. Um, yeah. <laughs> I. I haven't I guess I haven't like played enough of her cutscenes to really notice. I mean, she seems fine to me, but I noticed like that was one of the more I guess legitimate criticisms I've seen people say is that her voice uh, performance wasn't as good. And I don't know if they're using the same actress from Resident Evil Two. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I I haven't had an issue with her voice performance. It's definitely different from the original. They also changed her outfit look in the original. She's in this red dress which admittedly is like ridiculous why is she fighting in this like village and everything in this red dress so they've they've made her outfit to be much more tactical but still stylish at the same time yeah. um and uh and a change that i hope they would make in regards to leon's outfit 
I love his coat in the beginning of the game, and I I just I want to keep it. But right. his coat always gets stolen, and you can't get it back. And I want and I, I yeah I want some way to be able to hang on to his coat throughout the game. <laughs> that would be cool. That coat is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I, I was kind of disappointed to see that in both versions of the game that goes away. I mean, I wonder if you can uh, in subsequent playthroughs you can just keep the coat on the whole time. Like if that's one of the costumes you can do. I hope so. And if they don't have it, they should definitely update it with more DLC later. Um, Resident Evil 4 has always been known for unlocking all of these super weapons by meeting different criteria throughout the game, whether it's beating a game under a certain amount of time, um, beating like mercenaries and doing really well in there. Uh, separate ways, which you could play as Ada, which is um, most likely coming to the Resident Evil 4 remake. I think uh, a data miner found some references to that earlier so the, the we'll probably get that at some point mercenaries will be coming up i think within a, a week uh just about so that will be a really fun mode to play it's unclear if you'll need to beat the game to unlock that but most likely you will uh but the thing with resident evil 2 and 3 is after they've been out for a while instead of unlocking all of these guns you could go and just pay like a five dollar fee for the dlc and it would unlock everything and i'm very curious if resident evil 4 will follow through with that Probably, because I imagine Capcom likes money, and they probably make a lot of money that way. Um, so it's a it's a question for someone like me who has unlocked everything in this game over and over and over again. Do I want to go through and attempt to do that again, or do I just want to pay the $5, save myself the time, and then just have fun with all these unlockable weapons? So there's a, there's some decisions to be made if and when uh, those avail those options are available. Yeah, and some people are going to complain about that. I mean, microtransactions and whatnot, but the, the way I see it is in the modern gaming era, I guess that makes sense. Um, we don't have things like cheat codes anymore, for instance. So, um, it, you know, just being able to kind of like buy your way through, you know what, whatever. It's a single player game, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just have have fun. Like do it however, which way you want. That's, uh, that's you know, games that, um games that give you the choice to to do that it's like people can just play them the the way they want to play um yeah that's i was gonna do a caveat there because sometimes i do see there are certain games people play them and i'm like really you're gonna play it that way why would you do that but no the games are fun and people should play them for fun and, and enjoy it and uh and if you don't want to play it a certain way you don't have to that's the beauty of, of having the game yeah i mean for instance i think i had the biggest blast with uh, GoldenEye with cheat codes. It was just more fun with the cheat codes on, uh, playing with friends, getting, you know, like, really high and just, and just you know, turning turning on invisibility and then your friend being like, hey, did you turn on invisibility, you bastard? Um, <laughs> hell, Superman 64 is actually playable with cheat codes. <laughs> it's so, so much fun. Um, but I, I'm psyched about this remake. Uh, I don't think sales data has been released yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is doing exceptionally well. Not only has Resident Evil been able to build its fan base, especially with the Resident Evil 2 remake, but it has uh, Resident Evil 4 is such a cult classic that I feel like this would motivate a lot of people who don't typically play games to pick this up. Um, one of my best friends, we grew up playing games together. He has since gotten out of it. Um, you know, he's a father now and deals with all that. Uh, but he bought Resident Evil 4 day one. It is like, this is one of my favorite games. I'm going to beat it. Um, and he, he has already beaten it and is playing through it. I think he's beaten it twice, actually. Um, so 
that's where I feel a little behind on this game because it came out uh, the same day as PAX East. And so I spent the whole weekend covering PAX when I would have just been playing Resident Evil 4. So this weekend is the second weekend it's out. And this is my opportunity to just dedicate a whole heck of a lot of time to playing through and completing this game. Uh, and it's been fun. I've been having a blast with it. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see what like the end stages of the game are going to look like. Fucking amen. Well, yeah, we're we're sitting at over an hour now. Um, I think uh, eight minutes left on the Zoom recording as well. So uh, I think we just had a lot to talk about. It was, we were very passionate, and we managed to do so without getting into spoilers, which is good. But uh, I guess let's sort of wrap things up here. And uh, wh- what are your final thoughts on this game, Dan? Resident Evil 4 Remake is an excellent remake. It is one of the best games released so far this year. I would not be surprised to see it make some Game of the Year lists uh, in December as we go along. And uh, yeah, if you're a fan of the original, definitely pick this up and check it out. It is absolutely worth the price of admission. And if you've never played Resident Evil 4, you are in for delight. And this has been really well optimized for a modern gaming audience. Um, so yeah, any survival horror fan, anyone who wants to get into Resident Evil, I highly recommend you pick it up. Even if you haven't played the others, Resident Evil 4 does a good job of standing on its own. And really the opening cinematic gives you like all the 30 seconds of backstory that you need. And then you're into this unique story. So that's, uh, that's pretty much it. But yeah, I, I love this game. It is so great. And I'm really happy that this remake, uh, kicks as much ass as it does. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Um, I will say I think this is the highest quality Resident Evil game I've played so far. Um, I still think that Resident Evil 2 Remake is probably my favorite. But like like in terms of quality and it like this is just really setting the bar here. I think it's it's done a really fantastic job of not only preserving what made the original work, but adapting that and making it more accessible to a modern audience. And uh, I'm really excited to see where Capcom goes with the franchise from here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm midway through the Resident Evil 4 remake and the original game. I am enjoying the hell out of it. I, I think that uh, so far it, it has just been a uh, fantastic experience. Um, Definitely agreed. And I hope that the biggest thing I want to see, um, apart from a new Resident Evil game, is take this engine and do a full remake of the original Resident Evil. I want to explore the Spencer Mansion in an over-the-shoulder perspective with full camera controls. If they uh, do that, and I, I feel like it's an inevitability, it's just a question of when. Um, but hopefully before this decade is through, we will see a full remake of uh, Resident Evil the original a so lot of people are saying hope it will come we, we should do like a re-re-remake you know like um yeah. or, or a re-remake i should say uh i don't disagree i mean i because the resident evil one remake that we have is really good um but it does stick to the style of the original game and so uh, i would like to see what we could do with a behind the shoulder re engine remake of that game um really what i want to see next from resident evil uh, i want to see capcom do uh uh, remake of uh, Code Veronica. I mean, I, I'd oh, yeah. rather see them do that um, or RE1 remake again before we get into like five and six, right? <laughs> Definitely agreed. And I haven't played Code Veronica, so that would be a really great experience for me to uh, go through and check that game out. 
Well, and that, that's exactly my point, too, because I've played a little bit of Code Veronica, but not a whole lot. So I would love to see a remake of it because, one, a lot of people are asking for it. It's supposedly the true sequel to Resident Evil 2, uh, at least in terms of Claire's storyline. And so uh, it would be a, a great opportunity for me to be able to play through that game, uh, you know, uh, with a uh, modernized control scheme and whatnot. But yeah. Uh, anyway, with uh, uh, Resident Evil 4, I think that, like you said, this is a fantastic entry point like, or like, I think as a Resident Evil fan, like, no matter, like, where you are with the series, I think you can you can play through this game. Have you? I played through this. As somebody who had not played the original and played through this, I recommend playing this. You don't have to have played the original. If you have played the original, play it because you're going to enjoy the experience um, mm-hmm. a lot more, you know, like, like you said, um, and being able to compare and contrast the two. If you haven't played through any of the earlier Resident Evil entries, that's fine. You know, if you haven't played through the later ones, that's fine. It doesn't matter like where you are. If this is your first Resident Evil game or which ones that you've played, I think that this is a fantastic game for anybody to pick up and play um, and kind of stands on its own pretty well. Definitely agreed. If you've enjoyed the Dead Space remake, this is um, definitely like a similar level of quality and uh, it's just a really great time for survival horror. So um, definitely thank you all for tuning in who have made it this far. Uh, I hope you're enjoying Resident Evil 4. And uh, if you haven't picked it up yet, um, definitely consider it because it is a, a really fantastic game and just a whole lot of fun. Hell yeah, man. Well, uh, real quick here, do you want to uh, plug your uh, show, uh, plug Victims and Villains and your work on Tech Raptor? Where can our uh, listeners find you? I would love to. So you can check us out on um, on Victims and Villains, where we cover pretty much everything in pop culture. And we also do it from the lens of mental health and helping to prevent suicide um, prevention and awareness. Uh, and find me over at Tech Raptor. Uh, I write news, reviews, previews, everything like that. I might have something going up around Resident Evil 4, but I'm also taking just a little bit of a mental break at the moment. Uh, PAX was a whole lot, so trying to kind of, you know, recharge my batteries after that. Um, but yeah, you can take us a look over there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter for, you know, video games and other stuff, I am over there at DRock6499. Hell yeah, man. And uh, again, yeah, thank you so much for being on. I definitely wanted you to be a part of this because you had mentioned that you're a huge fan of Resident Evil 4. Mm -hmm. Uh, Looking forward to doing Tears of the Kingdom with you in May. Uh, That's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, very quickly, uh, what's coming up next? Uh, April is going to be our bad game month. So we are going to be talking about Plumbers Don't Wear Tines as well as E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Not necessarily in that order, but those are the two games uh, that we are covering as our numbered episodes. Uh, we are also doing our 420 special on uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day, which is not a bad game, but just a very fun game to play for uh, a stoner. And uh, I'm really excited to get into it. Um, and then, of course, in May, Tears of the Kingdom is coming out. That's going to be our season finale. Uh, part one will be a spoiler-free take on the game, a game launch episode kind of similar to this one. Uh, and part two will be our full spoilery thoughts. And um, after that uh, uh, gameplay demo that we got uh, earlier this week, woo, I'm so fucking excited, man. Me too. I'm going to build the dumbest, funniest stuff in that game. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, but uh, yeah, I won't uh, take up too much time to talk about uh, where you can find us. All of our links should be in the show notes. So um, go find us wherever you get your podcasts. We've got a, a few more bangers to and not so bangers to talk about the uh, remainder of this season. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you once again for being on, Dan. 
thank you so much for having me. This is great. Looking forward to uh, everything else to come. Fuck yeah, man. Alrighty. Well, that being said, I've been Ashley Chancellor. And I've been Dan Rockwood. And this has been Collateral Gaming with Victims and Villains. We'll see you next time. Collateral Gaming is a collateral media podcast. All music and game clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.